Welcome to Glory Beat, a podcast produced by the Church of St. Mary about interesting people and how they pray. Hello and welcome to Glory Be, interesting people and how they pray. Each week we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hanish. And I'm Mike Malcolm. Our guest today is Father Shane Hewson, Associate Pastor at St. Bernard of Clairvaux Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Father Shane was ordained to the priesthood for the Diocese of Tulsa in 2019. He grew up in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and attended the Church of St. Benedict. Father Shane graduated from OSU, Oklahoma State University, with a Bachelor of Arts in Spanish. He attended seminary in Ohio at the Athenaeum and received his Master's in Catholic Studies there. Father Shane then attended the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome, where he received a BA in Theology in 2016, a license in Canon Law in 2022, a Diploma Certificate of Matrimonial Jurisprudence in 2023, Mm -hmm. and he enjoys extreme sports like bungee jumping, skydiving, cave spelunking, and free diving and traveling. So why are you living in Oklahoma? (laughs) (laughs) And he's also traveled to over 50 countries. So yeah, what does Oklahoma offer in in extreme sports? Well, not always the craziest of things, but we go kayaking in the river. Yeah. you know, an hour and 20 minutes away, often on Mondays, yeah. many of the priests, and I like that. But so some of the, a lot of these things I've done yeah. at least once. Right. Uh, uh, to be like, jumping, like, do it all the time. No. You know, I see those images of people like falling off a huge bridge. Yeah. It wasn't as like glorious as that. Yeah. It was just like some guy set it up yeah. near, I don't know, some beach sort of fair almost type attraction and. They were just like, well, you want to do it? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, skydiving was just yeah. in uh, Skyatook. Yeah. So yeah. it was like a 17th or 18th birthday oh gift. Yeah. Oh, fun. Parents. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So. That's a big uh, fundraiser for churches, mm-hmm. throw your priest out right. of an airplane. All right. And it's kind of fun. I don't know if you'll get as much money if your priest has already been thrown out of it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're kind of like, <laughs> I can't wait to do yeah. this again. Right. right. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. Yeah. So what what do uh, the priesthood and extreme sports have in in, in common? So you um, the risk of losing your life. Yeah, <laughs> you get very close to God. Same with marriage, I think. Yeah, yeah. all the vocations. I mean, so you're doing it right. Yeah. You went to OSU, Oklahoma State. Uh, you get this degree in Spanish. Um, had you always thought about being a priest, or did that? To tell us about how that happened. Did you? Tell us your vocation story. Oh, gosh. Um, the short one, huh? <laughs> the short version. No, I, I didn't always think about being a priest. Yeah. It was more, I joined the Knights of Columbus uh, as a freshman in college, uh, just to kind of get more involved mm-hmm. in my faith. And then as well, I had many questions from Protestants who were living with me in my fraternity house at Oklahoma State. And, and I don't always know how to answer them well. Like I would break out the catechism yeah. and say, what is that? Yeah. So, well, this. It's the catechism, it's the teachings of the Catholic Church, like comes from scripture, yes, yeah. but it's the authority and the magisterium, like, hmm. So I didn't really know how to use their language. Yeah. And they wanted it for you. Ethos. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And they really yeah. wanted me to like, oh no, well, what does this mean to yeah. you? I'm like, the catechism. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to really kind of learn how to share my faith and that required me delving deeper into it and just through an uh, study in apologetics, like growing in a deeper love for the for the Lord and for the church, and and knowing I was always going to be Catholic, had that Catholic identity growing up, and I think just along the lines, like there was information about being a priest, and I was like, oh, right, I guess 
and everything said, you should be discerning the priesthood if you're this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess I'm discerning the yeah. priesthood now. Yeah. And and through a trial and error process of dating and realizing that wasn't really for me, um, I learned, I think, celibacy was what God was asking me to. And I had freedom when I decided I wasn't going to pursue uh, constantly, uh, uh, a long-term, uh, even possibly marital relationship. And I was free. I felt a lot of weight lifted on my shoulders and the freedom, uh, to pray and to allow the Lord to speak to me. And he called me to the seminary and I went to the seminary and it was like rubber meets the road. Yeah. It, it was everything I'd been wanting, uh, more studies, mm-hmm. growing deeper in my faith and doing it with a bunch of men as well, who were looking to grow and continue to study. And those were the other seminarians, you know, so I had, that fraternity that I really was looking for in the fraternity at Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, I didn't really find. I got some acquaintances from there, but not really good friends. The seminary, these are like my brothers for life, yeah. you know? So, um, so I really, it just made sense. And every year you kind of dialogue with your spiritual director, with the Lord in prayer and with your buddies. And, um, the Lord's always just responding. Yeah. Keep going. Keep mm-hmm. going. Yeah, Cause there was always a, a, a measure of peace. Uh, in my life and you follow that that peace which is real and lasting not just fleeting and from some sort of immediate thing but uh, a lasting peace which is kind of that subtle nature of the gospel just to be there and underneath the crazy waters at the top it's just a calm Mm -hmm. so following that realizing okay yeah i guess yes this yes now after six years is for the diaconate Mm -hmm. and one more is the priesthood so just saying yes and asking the lord is he saying yes oh yeah he's saying yes and the church said yes so here Here you are yeah Yeah. (laughs) but you came from the church of saint benedict in broken arrow during kind of a remarkable period where there were the five of you was it five yeah so i think we'd been praying there were five of us ultimately ordained but i think Mm. at one point we had eight seminarians i might be one or two off but had eight seminarians at whatever parish yeah, that's amazing. One time, so Joy, five of us. Very unique for people who are listening who aren't from Oklahoma. Right. You know, we're yeah. a mission diocese, so that's just unheard of to have eight mm-hmm. people from a parish in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, yeah. <laughs> considering the priesthood. Yeah, and most of us didn't go to the Catholic school, yeah. the Broken Arrow Public yep. School, or Jenks, or mm-hmm. actually all five of us. None of us were um, Catholic school students. Yeah. Um, so three of us were Broken Arrow. One was Union, and one was Jenks. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, yeah, it just that, that different um, background, yeah. it, but it drew you together. Right. Did that make it easier? Just knowing, I mean, you, you vaguely knew those other seven. I knew them, but yeah. not before. Okay. Um, Paris, St. Benedict's so big, I didn't really know. Yeah. I knew who they were and seen yeah. them, especially if like uh, Father Sean O'Brien, Father mm-hmm. uh, Robert Duck and um, Father David Webb, they were in the seminary before I was, so I could see them serving yeah. and kind of made it more concrete and real for me too, to be like, okay, I, well, yeah. okay, they're doing it. I'm not, yeah. uh, I'm not alone, totally alone. And you and, knew father yeah. Sean O'Brien back when he had hair. I yeah. actually, I don't know. I don't, oh, think, I did. I don't think I did. Hi, father Sean. <laughs> father Sean and I were almost next door neighbors uh, when he was growing up. Oh, so it's all the time. Yeah. So yeah. His, his big sister would, uh, babysit my kids and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So yeah, so that coming from that community, yeah. even if it was discovered after you decided to take the leap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So was there a, a single moment in your life where you just decided, you know what, now is the time I need to get serious. Uh, well, 
I guess there were two moments. One was like the real obvious call. Yeah. Like uh, sometimes they'll call them God moments where yeah. like there's a clear indication that you mm-hmm. should look to the priesthood. And uh, that was a part of a dating situation in Mexico. This girl, <laughs> she three weeks or four weeks or whatever. I didn't hear from her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what, why does this always happen? You know, it was going well and she yeah. seemed to be, you yeah. know, she wanted to keep going yeah. and all of a sudden nothing. Yeah. So I'm like kind of bummed out about it. And like, this happened again, you know, yeah. like, so I'm praying with the Lord, like, you know, why does this always happen to me? What am I, I, Am I not good enough for right. marriage? Like, yeah. what is this? And there was an overwhelming amount of peace. And I didn't hear the Lord's voice, mm-hmm. but I heard just my my soul sort of responded to like that peace and him saying, um, not audibly, of course, but, you know, if you follow me um, and give yourself completely to me, then the the church won't abandon you. And I can never, I can never right. abandon you. Right. And it was clearly sort of vocational. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So there was a lot of peace there. And yeah. I was like, okay, one day I will have to really confront this. Right. And like, but I still, that was four yeah. years yeah. before I, the next part was like, just had finished my degree and had finished some different travels that I was doing and kind of like at a low Mm-hmm. And I had a job that I hated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, just answering phone yeah. call service, yeah. warranty, contract phone calls. Oh, gosh. And like all day, 10 hours a day. And just, yeah. you know, so um, I did a visit to Conception Seminary, mm-hmm. Northwest mm-hmm. Uh, Missouri. And then Father Joe Townsend, who was the previous pastor of St. Benedict's, was like, you know, you don't have to do that job anymore. Just yeah. come fill out your paperwork and get accepted to the seminary. And then I'll give you a job and mm-hmm. you'll do maintenance. You go to seminary in August. I said, Okay. <laughs> so yeah. it just, you know, just saying yes and mm-hmm. simple things. Really. Yeah. yeah. So. Was it um, easy to get used to the the pace of life in seminary? Were there some challenges? Um, I think um, though I had a degree in a humanities and mm-hmm. literature and Spanish and things like that, um, it was still difficult to understand psych- the philosophy right. because the first two years is pretty uh, heavy philosophy and mostly historical, especially that first semester. But New concepts, yeah. new ways of thinking. How does logic work? I mean, I think logically, but why, you know, yeah. um, versus before having wanted to be a veterinarian and studied all the way through, um, to at least have all the prereqs. And mm-hmm. I did. So I have very more scientific, uh, mindset learning that philosophy is the premier sort of science. And that's kind of so, okay, kind of delving in it that way. Uh, but it was a, it was an uphill climb. And, mm-hmm. and so I had to kind of lean back more into like my, love of literature Mm -hmm. um, to read it like that rather than like, okay, well here's a 30 question test and they all have specific answers. Like, no, each there's a eight question test and you have to write like a page for each or something like, Oh, okay. Well that's, I'm not used to that, but Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a learning curve, but um, I think I'm even maybe more well suited to that Mm -hmm. than the other. Yeah. (laughs) Then you go to Europe to study, you go to Rome. Yeah. I went to Rome. Your classes were in Italian. They were in Italian, so I didn't have any besides Greek class that I took in English. Um, I took every other class I had was in Italian. For whatever reason, I could never get into the English class. Yeah. So <laughs> they were all in Italian, and and that was okay with me. I had already learned Spanish living mm-hmm. in Latin America almost um, a year and a half or more at this point, and then so to learn Italian was wasn't too too difficult. Yeah. Duolingo over the summer, and then right. immersion for two months. Yeah. And then class first day, and I'm the note taker. Yeah. Oh, we gosh. have a whole system yeah. in yes. the seminary yeah. in Rome to make sure that everybody is le- at least on the same page right. if they are not as um, 
you know, up to speed on mm-hmm. the language. So, so you took notes in Italian? You I, yeah, I took it directly into yeah. English. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. I would hear what, and then I'd, I'm not the best note taker, but yeah. we, it worked. So right. <laughs> it's a system. Yeah. It's a system. Yeah. So, and then they would go to the next step where somebody would redact it. Cause there'd mm-hmm. be like two or three note takers. Like, okay, this makes it or this point, Yeah, but it's clear here and then redact it, yeah. edit it. And then, then everybody shares it. Yeah. yeah. Like a published sort of document. Oh, nice. Semester. So. Huh. And when yep. you're studying, because you have this degree in canon law, do you get to decide, I'm going to emphasize, I'm interested in canon law, I want to do that? Or do you, is that some conversation you have with the bishop or? Um, well, yeah, the vicar general at the time, Father Elkeen, uh, after I finished my second year, by the second, third year of your um, formation in, in Rome, you're supposed to have kind of an idea of what you would like and present mm-hmm. that to the bishop. And obviously the bishop has, you know, he can say yes or no. Right. Um, but I didn't necessarily, I was expecting that option opportunity. Yeah. And then Father Elkin, like a few days after I had arrived home from my, I think two years being away, he said, well, we have an idea for you, what we would like you to mm-hmm. study. And, and I said, oh yeah, what is he? He said, canon law. I said, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I kind of thought this might come um, because we always need canon mm-hmm. lawyers. Uh, so it's kind of like right person, right yeah. time, you know, and right skill set. Well, your Spanish yeah, background sure. too. Yeah, 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 it'd be very helpful um, working um, marriage nullity uh, cases mm-hmm. in our in our diocese in, in Spanish. So uh, that was kind of the idea. You yeah. have a canon law degree, and then Father Zui is working on one. He's finished. Yeah, he just finished. finished in August. Or and Father Mike Knipe. Father Mike Knipe, he got his doctorate two years ago at mm-hmm. this point. And, and you all have this sort of. I noticed. Because yours says a diploma certificate of matrimonial jurisdiction. Yeah, that's an extra thing I stayed on. Um, so I finished the JCL, the license in canon law, and uh, I asked to stay on to do marriage um, practicums and jurisprudence yeah. uh, so that I can learn what really goes into the decisions, mm-hmm. how best to evaluate this over this. And so we spent a whole year just looking at the cases from the Supreme Tribunal of the Roman Rota. Um, and, and doing our own judgment right. and looking back at what other yeah. other ones had and said. How would that differ from, say, what fathers we like? Is this your sort of specific area of canon law expertise, annulments, and then they might have a. Uh, well, we all have another that. Um, so I just knew that that's what I was going to be sent back to, and I've just found myself liking it more and more and mm-hmm. being interested in it. So I like wrote my thesis on marital consent and, uh, and then did the extra year. So that would be, yeah. Uh, but we have all studied the same things. Now, I think Father Zui did something on uh, a penal law for his thesis, and then Father Mike was working on the history of the godparents, like, godparents, yeah. and yeah. why there's a you can't marry your godparents. Yeah. For example, at least that was the the old um, an impediment mm-hmm. you know, in the past. You couldn't marry somebody who was your spiritual guide, you know, yeah. as a child. So, well, and he he was a, a guest on Glory Be a while ago, and he was talking about why the church limits the number of godparents to two mm-hmm. and why everyone should care about that. You know, and at yeah. first I thought, okay, well, who cares? Okay, we pick two. That's fine. Random footnote. Um, but, yeah. you know, there's there's de- definite reasons for all this. Uh, what else would a canon lawyer in Tulsa be dealing with besides annulments? Well, there's anything, you know. Um, so, every... Within the, within the church, we're all sort of subject to her laws. We all have rights and we mm-hmm. all have duties within the church. If, if one person infringes upon the rights of another person, that could be within anything. It could be, uh, say you have a property and somebody, uh, sells that property without the proper permission. Well, 
they might not have had the authority to do that. And there needs to be maybe repercussions so that that person doesn't do it again. Or the law would at least if we follow it, uh, impede certain actions, which could be unjust or, um, you know, have negative consequences down the road. So a lot of what the vicar general does, you know, helping the bishop in that a lot of it is stipulated in canon law. And uh, besides the marriage tribunal, you know, all the sacraments, they have a sort of guidelines. So, but the day-to-day practical part, we don't really have to worry about it. I always use the analogy of the bumper in bowling. So when you need it, it's there. Yeah. But we're pretty good bowlers, yeah. uh, many of us working for the church, being uh, priests, and we don't often need the bumpers mm-hmm. um, So to avoid getting a gutter ball. Yeah. Yeah. But the law is there to help us stay right. and hopefully get a, uh, you know, at least pick up a spare, yeah. you know, here and there. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that kind of service to the church, usually we don't, we think about it as as paper-based mm-hmm. or conversation-based, yeah. at least, you know, right. correspondence-based and, and not very necessarily prayerful is there a a kind of a spirituality of canon lawyers there i think there has to be uh raymond penyafort is Mm -hmm. the um patron of canon law and um he was a dominican i believe and but you know before every judgment and before every tribunal comes together to decide they have prayers that they're supposed to pray and know Uh that they're making a judgment before with, you know, before the eyes of God, this is, and so there's always a prayer, um, the presence of God sort of prayer. And, um, so that's at least the one concrete example, but I think all of us have to, you know, we have to have be, we can't go against our conscience, Yeah, you know, so we have to be very self-aware of why maybe what, sort of thing could be going into this decision of all kinds of things, you know, mm-hmm. like, well, if I say this here, you know, maybe I'm doing it because I know the situation and I feel pressured, you know, so we have to be very, um, we have to be able to sleep with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but being in praying, praying yeah. through that and like, okay, Lord, is this, is this, how does this look in your eyes? Is it, does that, does that sacrament actually, um, valid or mm-hmm. did some defect happen Yeah, and uh, help me with that. You know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Oh, well that's great. Are, are there canon law conventions in the U S yeah. yeah. So we have all kinds of different ones. Um, there's, we have a provincial mm-hmm. conference, uh, every year or two years. I can't remember, but it's so that'd be Oklahoma city, Oklahoma city, us and uh, little rock. So, but little rock hosted this past August, I believe the beginning of August. And so we hang out, hung out there for two days yeah. and talk different questions. And it's usually working with the advocates. The advocates are the sort of the liaison between the one who wants to request yeah. to have the tribunal look at their, the validity of their mm-hmm. previous marriage sacramental bond. Uh, and then the tribunal itself. So, um, kind of getting them up to speed, mm-hmm. sort of workshops, um, in services. And our diocese just did one for our own, um, advocates. There's sort of people in the parish, whether it's a priest or a lay person who is helping mm-hmm. the petitioner, um, ask that question, yeah. you know. Um, and then there's a big one every, um, every year for the Canon Law Society of America. Okay. And I haven't been to one yet. Uh, I forget where it is this year, but I think they just had it or they're having oh. it this week. And so my friends are, how are you going? Are you going? Yeah. I said, no, I, I'm not going to go this yep. year, but maybe next year, uh, maybe, maybe next year, maybe in two years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Huh. You know, as you were talking about, um, that you pray, that mm-hmm. prayer is a part of the decision making 
process, mm-hmm. you know, as you're deciding whether or not uh, a marriage is valid or not. I love that. So you're a priest, you're a canon lawyer, you pray with that. Like, but what does your daily prayer life look like? We were talking, and you're an extreme sports guy. So I was uh-huh. thinking, we were talking before the podcast started that you recently did this sort of, uh, I would say extreme walk. I don't mm. know what uh, retreat, like walking. Oh, right. Um, the Three Hearts Pilgrimage. But yeah, the Three yeah. Hearts Pilgrimage 24. So I've never walked so many miles in a day. In a day. You know, let alone maybe in a week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how did, more interestingly, yeah, how did you pray when you were doing that? Like, well, so we were uh, divided into what they called chapters, and there were about 35 different chapters, and you had to be a minimum of 20 people to be a chapter many of them have 50 so there are 2,000 people on this so and there were um, brothers and monks from different congregations all over the United States so I met two from Montana I think they were some redemptrists or something um, um, sort of offshoot and uh, they would pray uh, so over over a loudspeaker each group at one point when we would take over a Mm -hmm. prayer or something now it's we were stretched over yeah. the course of maybe even a mile, yeah. the whole group, um, through these back roads. So you could really only hear the few people in front of you or mm-hmm. the few people behind you. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, you know, one of our group might lead the rosary or I, th- I led the Divine Mercy Chaplet or we did the Angelus at noon or 6 p.m. And um, otherwise, a lot of the chanting, too, because many of the monks were there. So and and as we got closer and closer to the monastery, the silence sort of fell. We got in the gate. Mm-hmm. Nobody was speaking. So yeah. you can imagine 2000 people walking just calmly. And was that spontaneous? Uh, no, it was prepared. Okay, okay. but still, the that's powerful. Monks were there, and they kind of yeah. they set the pace. And yeah. we walked that last mile into into mass, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was, yeah, it was. And we had a, a traditional Latin mass mm-hmm. in a grassy field the day yeah. prior. Yeah, two thousand people. I've never heard two thousand people be so quiet right. outdoors. Yeah. So it was really, really cool. Beautiful weather. It rained a little bit in the mornings, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we walked about 24 more or more miles the first day, and maybe somebody said even maybe possibly 15 on the second Gosh. day. So, uh, but beautiful and would encourage more parishes to make a chapter and go. So originally it was just two guys from my parish who said, Hey, huh. we're going to do this walk. And yeah. would you be interested? I said, Yeah, that sounds great. I hadn't heard of it. And, um, it, it kind of grew from there and we had 25 people, 19 actual prisoners mm-hmm. and six or five others that were, um, from yeah. other friends about a friend. Well, do you enjoy, uh, w- w- what kind of prayer do you do when you're not walking? Um, yeah. So most, uh, you know, on that, on that one, just mostly kind of the scenery of the scenery. Mm-hmm. It was very beautiful back roads or, or praise of God for the fact that we had a son and we weren't drenched, you right. know, just uh, all in the beauty of his creation. So uh, that would be, if I had to pick one thing, otherwise it was just mostly silence or uh, maybe chatting with a neighbor or talking about um, just what we're doing, yeah. you know, so sort of that dialogue, a meditative, even possibly dialogue about, uh, about the pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Well, also that people's knees were, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if the blisters were forming, uh-huh. you know, offering that up. So it yeah. is a prayer of offering. And there were many young um, people, um, boys and girls alike who were doing it without shoes on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it was to earn some sort of a badge, a merit badge or something. But uh, that's a lot to go through for yeah. a merit badge. But they were doing it and uh, they had brothers helping them and mm-hmm. walking with sticks. Oh, and my goodness. So they made it a real, 
a real thing, yep. you know, as it is already for most of us who sure. don't walk even maybe two miles in a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like you didn't train for this. Well, I had retreat just before, so I went out and walked uh, a little, a few miles each day, maybe at most like eight miles just to get prepared. And mainly is having the right shoes and uh, the right wool socks, you know, right. wicking yeah. sort of yeah. uh, materials so as to not get a blister. And I didn't get a blister, so hey. thank God. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, that seems like an environment that would be super conducive to praying in yeah. many ways. You're yeah. with your fellow pilgrims, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, the beauty of creation. Has there been a time in your life when it's been difficult to pray? I know that, uh, I'm sure there were probably times on this retreat or the, oh, yeah, player, yeah, but, but yeah. just in general. No, usually retreats are good and, uh, the pilgrimage was great. Um, usually changing something about your routine helps you pray. So it's kind of when you get through it to maybe accustomed to your routine and the humdrum of it, you're like, mm-hmm. well, nothing is changing. You know what, you know, and, and so I kind of just went through a dry period, honestly. And I just, most of my prayer is silence. I think that's, uh, probably the, you know, silence is the most important thing, I think, in, in prayer, uh, honestly, to kind of have that foundation that the Lord can work. Um, and so, but sometimes the silence is really like stale. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's no grace or fruit there, even St. Catherine of Siena. Uh, and I go back to this constantly to kind of like re-up and like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. no, it's okay. It's, yeah. She said that um, there's more there's more fruit or there's more grace in persevering in prayer when there's no immediate consolation mm-hmm. or when there's no consolation. So just being able to persevere yeah. through those dry spells. Um, and as frustrating as they can be, maybe talking to a friend about it or, or picking up a... Um, uh, a different spiritual work or I was going through the gospel of Luke and it was just kind of a drudgery, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had just done over like maybe four or five months, very slowly, the gospel, gospel yeah. of John. Yeah. And that's just so th- rich with the imagery and the ideas of the Trinity and all kinds of stuff. So going back to a synoptic gospel was like, okay, well, I know this story. What yeah. do I get out of You know, so it's easy to get into that mindset when, even if it's just something super simple, yeah. you know, there's the depth, the richness mm-hmm. of the divine there, which is infinitely, you know, um, deep. So you can't exhaust it. But yeah. in our poor human minds to be able to try to get something out of uh, a parable that we've heard over and over and over again, it takes time. So switching it up. So yeah. uh, different spiritual works or so I, I decided, you know, I'm going to go read Paul. So uh, finding in Galatians or something, mm-hmm. something just very simple. Um, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice yeah. always, you know, and it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. Rejoice. You know, yeah. just for whatever reason that the spirit was like, yes, this is, um, you know, changing it up rather mm-hmm. than sticking through the mud, you know? Yeah. So God's efficacious, even if we're seemingly not, oh, or not receiving anything. And I'll put absolutely. a plug in here for the school of Lexio over uh, at the Benedictine oh, yeah. Monastery yeah. Uh, for people who do find that kind of, dry spell uh they teach the you know lexio divino mm-hmm. which is such a um wonderful way to pray with scripture absolutely when you're feeling dry and they do anyway i'm just plugging mm-hmm. that because i teach over there and when you were talking it reminded me for anyone who is you know wondering about right that. yeah and that's the way i usually pray i think as a diocesan priest we're really encouraged to um 
I mean, if we don't have a daily contact with the scriptures, and it could be simply just, well, the readings for the day and following the lectionary, which is kind of the best way mm-hmm. really to do it because the church has given us lectures, it's kind of inspired, so follow it, but, but really spend time with the readings and maybe what, what's the connection with the first reading. Yeah. Um, but just some contact with, with the Lord himself because, you know, I think one of the reasons The Chosen, um, and I would promote that too, has been so popular is it's showing, um, you know, the humanity mm-hmm. of Christ, which, you know, he says to go through the Father, he has to go, to go to the Father, you have to come through me. So, um, we are human mm-hmm. and God, if Jesus is a divine person with a human nature, to approach God, we do it through our humanity. Mm-hmm. And he, he, if we look at the scriptures uh, and the things that he was going through and the, the compassion he had, the all the different emotions that he had, um, and, and different situations he dealt with and reacting perfectly, right, as a perfect person, um, it shows it's really the best way to go, go to God is through the humanity of Christ. So I have a, what I call a low Christology, which is mm-hmm. a theological concept. Instead of a high Christology, mm-hmm. starting with the divine and working mm-hmm. out sort of these abstract concepts or, you know, even things from revelation, but just starting from my own experience, you know, all I have is my, my humanity. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, certainly I'm baptized and that uh, divinization process yeah. is continuing, but mm-hmm. um, I just approach approach God through through the Son's humanity. Yeah. And the scriptures help us do that. So Lexio and, and entering into the scene and uh certainly studying at the Gregorian University for seven different seven almost eight years. It's Jesuit. So so Ignatian contemplation and um, you know, just start with something, welcome the Holy Spirit and maybe I make an act of faith and then read a little bit. You know, it it'd be too easy to like, okay, well I'm gonna read the whole parable of the Good Samaritan was like, no, just take like one thing, mm-hmm. like one encounter mm-hmm. or the fact that the, the priests moved over mm-hmm. the other side of the road, like stick with that. Yeah. You know, maybe something is there and just let the Holy Spirit guide you. And, um, I found a very deep, mm-hmm. uh, rich prayer just in taking it a lot slower. Um, so, and part of that too was in my last three years in Rome with the other priests who really, they're a lot more mature in their, in their spiritual lives and their mm-hmm. priesthood that, they showed me that kind of prayer. We even had a Pentecost vigil mm-hmm. uh, at the uh, at the priest house in Rome, the Casa Santa Maria. And there's probably 58 yeah. people in the house, but at least a third of the house showed up for this vigil. And we had adoration. We had a guy on the guitar, a priest on the guitar, mm-hmm. and, and we had people praying over other priests and um, and prayers. And I think we ended with um, we ended with evening prayer. But it was a really mm-hmm. beautiful thing. Uh, to do, but that kind of thing I'd never really been yeah. super introduced to, but through my time with these other priests, I've kind of grown in that prayer and maybe a prayer more in the spirit than sort of just kind of those rote mm-hmm. prayers and, yeah. or even trying Lexio, but sometimes not having, like trying to be so caught up with the process. Okay, what mm-hmm. we're going to do, <laughs> you know, our Lexio mm-hmm. first and our Meditatio, Contemplatio Oratio is like, well, all it can be fluid, you know. Yeah. Maybe you'll go from one to the other, and that's the, the spirit too. And yeah. don't try to look at, am I done? Am I done meditating now? And now, am I right. playing? What's the yeah. difference? You know, that's so, when I was trying to learn free, how. free. Yeah, songs. exactly. Well, and and with that repetition comes comfort. Mm-hmm. With yeah. it, I remember learning how to pray the liturgy of the hours, and you know. 
back in the days before apps, you know, there was books with ribbons and flipping back and forth. And it was all the, I was caught up in the mechanics of it because I wanted to pray everything in the right order, which yeah. that's good, mm-hmm. but that's just a means to an end. And that yeah. was, that was yeah. hard. Yeah. And it took me probably a couple of weeks before I actually got right. a prayer in. Oh yeah. And I, really because I was, I was too concerned with, okay, Santa Fon, I'll pull this back. It's a feast day. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. you know, yeah, well, I'm still, <laughs> yeah. Well, now the apps are great because you yeah. just, Start at the top, scroll to the bottom, and you're good to go. Yeah. And we'll put in our show notes certainly a link to The Chosen because yeah. you yeah. mentioned that, and it's on Netflix now. Oh, yeah. Um, and also maybe a on link YouTube. to, and you, it's free. It's free. Yeah. Free. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. We also could put a link for Lexio just in oh. case anybody's yep. interested who hasn't heard of it. Nation Contemplation. Yeah. It's always good to try new, Absolutely. new yeah. ways of praying and, um, the final question that we always ask. Put a link for the Three Hearts Pilgrimage. Put a link there for we go. Three Hearts yeah. Pilgrimage. Yep. Will they do yeah. that next year? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. There are 2,000 people showing up. Yeah. 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 There's crazy. momentum yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I hadn't yeah. even heard of my sister-in-law. Yeah. We were talking about that. But anyway, um, so is there anything that you would like to ask all of our listeners to pray with you? One prayer intention. Oh, gosh. You know, I don't know. I think maybe just simply going back to the call of John the Baptist, repent, you know, um, or those disciples who first went out, repent and believe in the gospel. I think that we've thrown sin out the window or any possibility of self-reflection of like, you know, maybe I'm the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And so conversion, a prayer of conversion uh, for ourselves, not for my neighbor, for myself. Yeah, Yeah. I'm good at the neighbors. (laughs) And asking others to pray for conversion for for our own conversion, you know. So, and the conversion is not conversion to the Catholic faith or to become a Christian. It's it's conversion so that I might live less for myself and might live more for and like Jesus Christ. Um, And whatever that looks like to be uniquely... Uh, who God called us to be is that saint, whatever saint Sh- uh, Sharon Hannish will yeah. be, you know, um, you know, calling us to do that. Sharon of Tulsa. Yeah. Daily, the daily <laughs> sort of conversion, you know. Yeah. yeah. Sharon of Tulsa. There yeah. That's my goal. Yeah. <laughs> or if we all get martyred, we can be probably St. Chain of Tulsa or of Broken Arrow and companions. companions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you get martyred with a priest, it's just I'll take yeah. a companion option. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Martyr is good. <laughs> yeah. So, well, would you lead us in a glory be? Sure. Absolutely. All glory be to the father and to the son and to the Holy spirit. As it was in the beginning, beginning is now, shall, shall be world without end. Amen. That was great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Very welcome. Thank you. Glory B is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time. To find the entire catalog from the Glory B podcast, you can follow them on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.